So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Have you ever, uh, you ever had a friend? Someone that you thought a lot of. Someone that you, uh, you really felt like was really strong in their faith and maybe little ahead of you and and then you hear something about them you hear that they were put in a situation or maybe a place of temptation or I don't know and they they failed miserably and you thought to yourself there there's no no you just had this pit in your stomach and just such a letdown feeling and you thought there's there's no way this person did that there Anybody but, the, anybody but this person. I, f- I feel like that's the situation we're in here with Peter. No one, no one would have denied or questioned Peter's commitment to the cause. No one would have questioned Peter's buy-in, Peter's passion, his love for Jesus and the mission that was at hand. Nobody would have. No one could have thought that put in the situation that Peter was put in that he would have denied him. I mean, just, just a little bit ago, Peter was in the garden. He was the most trying time of prayer in Jesus' life, and Peter was there with him. He didn't exactly know what was to come, but he, he knew enough. And he's praying with Jesus, and then the guards come, and they come to arrest him. And Peter jumps up in all his fervor and his passion, which is kind of his personality. And he grabs a knife and he cuts off the 
the Roman soldier's ear. And then they, they put him in cuffs or bound his hands and they, they, they're walking him off to be tried to the high priest. And, and Peter, Peter looks at a friend and we think that this other disciple he looked at was John, the author of the book we're studying. And, and he looks at him and says, let's go, come on, let's follow him. And he didn't, he didn't want to leave Jesus. He wanted to be there with him. And so he follows him and we don't know if he's, is he in the crowd with the, the soldiers and Jesus? Is he right there in step with them? Or is he trailed back a little bit and kind of creates some space between them? We don't, we don't know, but we do know that he followed them and he went with them. And then they, they get into the, the, the gates and Jesus and the, the soldiers proceed through and go through. And then they let John in, the other disciple, because the scripture lets us know that somehow they knew him and they knew that he was with Jesus. We don't know how, but we know that they let him through. But Peter, they didn't. And so he had to stand outside the gates. He didn't get in the club, right? The bouncer didn't let him in. And so they get in and John suddenly realizes that Peter's not with him. And so he turns around and he goes to the servant girl that's guarding the gate. And he says, hey, he's, he's with us. Can, we, can he come in? And probably something like that. And she turns to Peter and she lets him in. And as he's coming in, I think she's just confirming what John told her. And, and she says, hey, are you, are you a follower of Jesus? And in the moment, in the, 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 the craziness of the moment, Peter just blurts out, no, no, I don't know him. I'm, I'm not with, I'm not, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a follower of his. And I, and I get it. Listen, that's forgivable. I mean, it's crazy. It's, there's a mob there. Jesus is being tried. Probably a lot of fear set in. And he's probably thinking, if I say, yes, I do know him. I am a follower. That they're, they're not going to let me in. And I just want to be with Jesus. I want to be in this moment. And so I get it. He lies, okay? But he, and so he gets inside. And he sees the passion of the crowd. He sees the dangerous situation that Jesus is in as they're questioning him and backing him into a corner. And he sees what's going on in the courts. And he makes a, a, a move. He makes a decision. There's some guys were making a little fire and so he moves in with the crowd maybe out of fear maybe to blend in to warm his hands maybe he was cold but come on and someone looks at him and they his plan didn't work and they said you're you're a follower of Jesus right and he goes no I'm I don't know this guy I don't, I don't and before he can even finish saying that someone else said yeah you are, aren't you? I saw you at the garden. Matter of fact, you cut off my cousin's ear. They were related to him. How's that for luck? And he said, I mean, just, it's just rolling. He's in the moment. And he's like, no, I don't know. I don't know this man. I'm just one of you. I'm, I'm, I'm just here. And before he can even finish saying that statement and before the statement falls he hears that rooster crow. A sound that he had heard every day of his life, probably. But in this time, that rooster was ominous. The weight of that rooster's crow 
sent chills because he remembered what Jesus told him the night before. That before that rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And the Gospel of Luke tells us that he looked across the way and, and there's Jesus being tried, being condemned. And Luke tells us that Jesus' face turned towards him and they locked eyes. And in that minute, in that moment, all of his passion, all of his commitment, all of his fervor, as he looked at his Savior and as his Savior looked at him, this man that had loved him like nobody else had loved him, this man that had reached into the depths of his soul, he realized that Jesus' commitment to Peter was far greater than Peter's commitment to Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, if you are our measuring stick, then God, we will always come up short. But God, today, will you peel back the, the blinders that sometimes we put on our eyes? Today, will you reveal to us who you are and your love for us? And in that, you'll reveal to us who we are. God, this morning, teach us. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Well, today, it's going to be a great, great day. We're in our second week of our search party series, and it's going to include Easter and go beyond that. And my name's Daniel, and I'm the executive pastor here. And if this is your first Sunday with us, we're really glad you're here. Uh, we call this place home. It feels like home to us. <clears throat> I pray that it feels like home to you before you leave today. If you're joining us online, welcome. It's going to be a great, great day. Why don't you go on and grab your Bible and your worship guide and a pen? Hopefully, you got one of those when you came in. Or if you're a smartphone person, you can download our North Star app. Just go to your app store and type in North Star Georgia, and you can download that. And everything I'm going to be teaching outline and everything is going to be right there. So let me ask you this question. Why do we tend to cover up? Why do we tend to run from the truth? Why do we tend to cover up? So I've got an eight-year-old, and I've got a six-year-old. So Josie is eight, Colby is six. And um, a couple of weeks ago, Bonnie and Colby and I were sitting on the couch and we were watching TV and who knows where Josie was. Sometimes she just, she slips away. She goes into her bedroom and she makes like rockets and she ma she's creative. She, she makes things and so, she, or she'll be reading. And so this time we were sitting on the couch watching TV and Josie comes in and she's got something wrapped up like a present in wrapping paper and she hands it to me. And so I paused the TV show, and I'm like, what, what is this, baby? And she said, well, that's, it's my latest invention. Okay, all right, all right. So I'm unwrapping it, and I open it up, and it's a pair of underwear. Like, baby, if you invented that, we're rich people. All right, so it's underwear, and it's got, like, marker all over it. And so I'm like, okay, this is a difficult invention. What is this, baby? What is it? She goes, well, it's my latest invention. It's undiments. Undiments. Okay, what is, what is undiments? Okay, so daddy, undiments, when you put them on, if you poot, your poots smell like mint. <laughs> brilliant. I don't know why we need that in our house, but it's brilliant. All right, she's got, she said, I've got undie berries. It smells like, she's taken scented markers and colored it undie berries. The whole line is called undie scents, all right? 
so we're going to be millionaires. If you're around people and you start to smell mint or berry, <laughs> you know what happened. The greatest thing was when Colby tried, tried it out, he's like, she's right, Daddy, smells just like mint. <laughs> we, we, we try to cover up from stuff, don't we? We try to run from the truth. And in that, in that situation, Peter found himself in, He's running from something. There's times in our life where God puts us in a situation or puts us or allows us to be in a circumstance and he reveals our level of commitment. See, we all have this lid. We all have this cap. We all have this line that says, I'll go this far, but I won't go this far. And that day in the courts outside of the high priest's place, he, he found out that line. I'll get out of the boat and walk on water with Jesus. I'll lay down everything I have to follow him. But that day in the garden, he could be arrested, he could be mocked, he could be beaten, and his line at that season of his life was revealed. What situation, what circumstance is in your life and in my life that reveals our commitment to Jesus? And I want to, I this is the question I want to unpack today. This is the question I want to ask, and it's this. It's why do we run from a total commitment to Jesus? Why do we run from a total commitment to Jesus? See, we all have that line that we'll go up to, but we won't go over that line. Now you say, Daniel, you're talking about commitment. That sounds very rules-based, sounds legalistic, sounds very, very dutiful. Will we, you know, will we? Let me explain what I'm talking about when I say commitment to Jesus. I love my wife. I love my children. Therefore, I am deeply committed to them, right? So we're talking about a commitment that flows out of a deep, passionate love. And why do we run from that? I got, I got three things, and it's in your outline. Here's the first reason why I think we run from a, a total commitment to Jesus is because we think close is good enough. We think close is good enough. I'm okay with close. Because... Close allows me, still allows me to compare myself with everybody else around, but I don't have to give it all, right? So Peter, Peter goes into the courts that day. Heck, nobody else followed him into the courts. Where's all the other disciples? Matter of fact, I, would John have come if I hadn't turned to him? I don't know, but I'm here. Nobody else is here. We think close, man, close is good enough. It's really all I need. See, what we do is we invest everything we have into the world. We invest everything we have into the world that we're in. And then a lot of times we take Christianity and we just kind of tack it onto the side of it, you know? Because, I don't know, because I grew up with it or it makes me feel good or man, life has hit hard and I need a little bit of that. Or my kids need to grow up in church. They need a little bit of Jesus in their life, right? It kind of rounds us out. But we're not, we're just skirting around the edges and we're not totally buying in. We're not giving over everything. Why? 
Because close is good enough. Close is good enough. I love this passage in Psalm 27. David said this. He said, one thing I've asked the Lord. One thing. All right, I like those one thing statements. I'm not real smart, but I can get one thing, right? So one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, what? All the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David wanted to spend every day in the house of God gazing upon his beauty. Not just Sunday, not just Wednesday, not just small group day. He wanted to spend every day gazing upon the Lord. Why? Because David knew that heaven one day existed, that one day he would go to heaven. But David desired to spend all his days here on earth in the house of God, digging in and planting roots deep. And that's, think about that with us. We know if you're a Christian and you're in Christ, we know that heaven waits for us, right? But we forego all that God has and all that God has for us and all the ways he can lavish his love on us and all the ways he can draw us close and all the ways he can minister and use us out. We forego all of that here on earth. It's, it's like we think... That, that when I die and when I go to heaven, I'll, all of a sudden, that's different than this. I'll have knowledge. I'll have everything. Every, heaven's just different than earth. But the Bible doesn't give us that understanding. The Bible says this. The Bible says, store up your treasures in heaven, right? So while you're on earth, store up your treasures that are in heaven. Because guess what? If you're a Christian, you're going to live the next 400 years of your life. We don't make decisions today based upon 400 years from now, do we? But the Bible says if you're wise, you'll store up your treasures in heaven because you'll be living three, four, five hundred years from now. There. As a matter of fact, the body you're living in now, like it or not, you're going to take into eternity with you. So treat it good. And I mean, it's going to be a glorified body, but even Jesus had the nail print still in his hands and his feet. So make investments now that you can take into eternity. You know what? The relationships that you have now, people that are in Christ, in the body of Christ, in North Star, or people in your workplace that are Christians, those relationships you'll take into heaven with you. Your understanding that you have of Christ right now, you're not going to go to heaven and all of a sudden have this infinite knowledge. You're going to take that into heaven with you. So we need to make our investments financially, time and all that, of things that will affect us and our family 400 years from now in heaven and in eternity. But we don't. And man, if you're here, I, I'm so glad you're here today. If you're watching online or if you're in True North. But this past week, I was with another group of, of, of local area executive pastors and we were talking. And did you know that the average attendance of church members now, the average attendance is once a month? And what do we do? We think, well, man, I came twice a month. I'm better than them. You know, I came three times this month. It is. And I don't say that because God's disappointed in you. He's not disappointed in you all. I say that because there's so much that staring and seeking after God and, and in his house that he has for you that you're missing out on. 
If you're just kind of playing around the edges of this Christian thing and this church thing, I beg of you, dig in, dig roots deep, whether it's in this church or whether it's in another church down the road. There's a lot of great ones around here. Dig in deep, man. Stand shoulder to shoulder with other Christians. Grab a bat, grab a glove. Let's get in the ball game and let's change some lives. Let's take our life and spend it for other people for the gospel's sake because that's what's gonna last for eternity and not the things that we make investments here on the earth that, that don't equate to eternity. So I wanna beg of you, go through your calendar, go through your checkbook and say, hey, is this investing in eternity? Relationships, different things like that. He, he longs to draw you close. He longs to draw you close. How important is the church? How important is the body of Christ to Jesus? Let's look at what he said to, to Peter. Let's look at what he said to Peter. He said, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my what? Church. Not just North Star, but the church at large. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is so important to Jesus that guess what he's doing right now? He's building his church. That's what he's doing right now. He's waiting until the last person comes to him before he comes back. He's building his church. He's asked us to spread the gospel and to disciple people. That's what he's doing. As a matter of fact, look, look on your outline there. We are never more like God than when we're loving his church and we're giving ourselves for it. What are you giving yourself for? What are you pouring out yourself for? Never more like God than when we're loving his church and giving ourselves for it. Listen, it's our deep desire as a staff here at North Star that you not only just come and attend, but that you engage in godly, authentic community because we know that that's where real life change happens. If, if you can enter into the depths of God's love for you, you will be deeply, deeply changed. I think that's the first reason. I think we feel like close is good enough. Here's the second reason. The second reason we run from this commitment to the Lord is because Christ runs contrary to the crowd. Christ runs contrary to the crowd. So what did Peter do? Peter walked through the gates, he saw how impassioned the crowd was. He saw what was going on. And I got to let you know, the people that hang out in the, the outer courts right there within those gates at nighttime weren't world changers. You know what I'm saying? They weren't the best of people. They were kind of seedy. Like I grew up in Warner Robins and everybody, every town, if you grew up in a small town, you have this strip. We had Russell Parkway. If you hung out at Giant Foods on Russell Parkway on Friday and Saturday night, that's not where the world changed. You know what I'm saying? That was the seedy, you know, teenager hung out there. This is kind of what he was doing. He, he gathered in amongst everybody else so he wouldn't stand out. Blended in. That passage there says this. It says, now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire. See, right here it says that charcoal is the best way to cook meat and to, to do things, all right? Not gas, all right? So it's biblical. 
do it. So they made a charcoal fire because it was cold, right? And they were standing and they were warming themselves. And Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. You know what James 4, 4 says? It says, whoever therefore wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If you wish to make yourself a friend of the world, you've made yourself an enemy of God. What is that? Is, Daniel, am I supposed to hate people in the world? Am I supposed to only listen to the fish and watch Christian movies? No. no Christ deeply loves people, right? God created them for an intimate fellowship relationship with him. He sent Jesus to redeem that relationship, to buy people back from that, from sin. He deeply loves people. He calls us to deeply love people, but he calls us to, to, to look different and not partake in the things that they partake in because they partake in those things because they feel like the things they partake in validate them. It fills a void in them that only Christ can, can fill. And he's saying, don't be like the world because I can, I'm the only one that can fill those voids. I'm the only one that can validate you. Look different. What? There's a great example of this. So Mike is uh, our pastor. He's down at Destin. I'm not jealous. It's only my favorite place on the earth, but that's fine if he wants to leave me here and go down there. So he's at Destin. He's in the Gulf, right? So in the Gulf, there's this thing called the Gulf Stream. Maybe you're familiar with it, right? So the Gulf Stream, there are these currents that run throughout the world through the ocean but the gulf stream starts in the gulf and it works its way down around florida and up into the atlantic and out this is a great illustration because the gulf stream it's in the ocean but it's not of the ocean there's a lot of things that's different about it so the gulf stream as you can see its color is darker it's a darker blue than all the rest of the ocean it looks different. Its, its temperature is different. It's much warmer than the rest of the ocean. As a matter of fact, it acts different than the ocean. Its current flows exact opposite of the current of the ocean. It, it flows south to north. And yet there are things that it does that if the Gulf Stream didn't exist, the ocean would be a vastly different place because it has a, a distinct, defined purpose. It's in the ocean, but it's not of the ocean. So as Christians, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We look different. We act different. We love differently. We love with the love of Christ. And right now, our world is touting and promoting a brand of love that is a counterfeit of Jesus. It's this... It, yes, it, it's, it looks similar to the love of Jesus, but it's not the love of Jesus. And if you don't love that way, then you, you must hate, right? But we love differently than the world. We act differently than the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Here's the third reason. And I think this reason sums up all the others. But this is why I think we run from a total commitment to Jesus. And it's this, because we think the cost is just too much. 
we think the cost is too much. I think this wraps it up. Daniel, if I, if I commit and I get closer than I'm comfortable with, if I dive in, if I dig deep roots into the church, that, like what you're saying, then I'm gonna have to get in a small group. And man, I'm just, I just don't have time. Our family schedule is already crazy and we just don't have time for that. Well, you know what? The cost is, is you might have to give up some things to make time for that because this is eternal and this is more important. You might have to realign your priorities and your schedule and say no to some things to say yes. Say no to the good to say yes to the great. Daniel, if I get in a small group, I'm gonna have to be transparent. I'm gonna have to tell people what I go through. They're gonna think I'm weird, you know, and that cost is just too high. Man, everybody's got junk. <laughs> We've all got it. Daniel, if I, um, if I have to go against the world, then uh, that, I mean, there's people at work, there's friends I have. I know it's not the best for me to hang out with them, but I can't tell that. That cost is just too high. You know, Daniel, I'm gonna have, my kids' priorities are gonna have to change. Do you know what one of the, one of the, the mantra of the middle class American parent is this? I don't want, I want my kids, I don't want my kids to fall behind. I don't want my kids to miss out. I want them to be like everyone else. It's our biggest fear as parents. And it's not biblical. I'm gonna tell you guys, I've seen the world. I don't want my kids looking anything like it. I'd rather my kids be weird than to be like that. Remind me that when my kids are teenagers, you're holding me accountable. <laughs> They're little, it's easy. They can do what I tell them to. The cost is just too high. I can't, I can't do all that. And yet the whole time he's bidding us to come close because he loves you so much. John 15, 18 says this. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus knew they'd hate you. We're supposed to be hated. <laughs> Embrace it. Oh, I just don't want to make something. I get it. I deal with it. We all have that line, don't we? We all have that line that says, I'll get this close, but I can't commit to that. And it's different for every one of us. So I stepped into ministry. I, took my, I, I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry when I was in 10th grade. So a few years later, when I was 19, a freshman in college, I went on staff part-time at a little church. And so I took my first ministry position then at 19. So ever since then, it's 26 years. Don't do the math. So 26 years I've been in ministry. I've shared my faith on stages like this. I've shared my faith in coffee shops. I've shared my faith one-on-one, -on -one, small groups. I've shared my faith with guys at gas stations, led someone to the Lord at a truck stop behind the car and I moved into my house that I live in now 14 years ago. There's a new construction, and my neighbor moved in at the same time. We lived together for 14 years. Man, that guy can cook on a green egg. Like, 
I smell it. He cooks with charcoal. That's why it's biblical. So I've never once had a spiritual conversation with him. He knows what I do. If he were to die right now, I have no idea where he would spend eternity. And that's what I get paid to do. We all have a line, don't we? Lord, if it was two streets over and I'm walking through the neighborhood and I had a shot, I'd probably do it, but I don't know. I've, I've lived next to three neighbors that I felt God telling me to share my faith with them. And for some reason, I was disobedient. I couldn't do it. And one of them died before I got the chance to. We all have a line. We all have a cap. What's your line? Why are you saying, I can't, I can't commit to this? Now that I've shared that with you fine folks, I'm going to have to have a conversation with him. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't say this to you because North Star, North Star is fine. We're fine. I share this and I ask you and I beg of you because, because there's a, a parable in Scripture about a shepherd that left the 99 to seek after the one lost sheep. Look at me. You're the one he left the 99 to go find. And he longs to take you deeper and farther and closer than you've ever been. I don't want to be Peter having denied him and then looking at him in the face. We tend to think Jesus was probably thinking to Peter, you messed up, I told you. But you know what Jesus was thinking? He was thinking, Peter, I, I know you and I love you still. And I'm gonna die for you right now. So I wanna offer a moment of invitation for if you're in here, if you're in True North, or if you're online. There's two, there's two groups of us. There's, here's this line, I'm a Christian, but I just cannot commit. I cannot, I can't say no to commitments in the world, and I, it's easier to say no to church. And that, that's my line, or, or, or a variation of it. And you know, you know what those things are. You know, I don't have to tell you. God's already put it on your heart. What is it? And then there's a group of you that this is the first time you've heard that Jesus loves you this deeply. And I want to offer both of you an opportunity this morning. So you close your eyes and bow your head with me. It just helps us concentrate. This morning, if you're here and you are a Christian and you know you'll be living 400 years from now. You know you're going to heaven when you die. But you can't cross that line. Do it. Aren't you glad that Peter found the courage to cross that line later? Because if he hadn't, we wouldn't be sitting here today. The church was built on him. And he eventually gave his life for Jesus. He crossed that line. Are you willing to? Are you willing to break through that ceiling? Well, on your 
your worship guide when you came in there's a little tab on the side and on that tab it says baptism it says newcomers membership it says small groups probably your next step would be on that list and if not you can write it in check one of those boxes fill out that card and in a minute the baskets are going to be passed just like I told you about my neighbor I want you to tell us so we can hold you accountable and if you don't put it in the basket there's boxes in the walls on your exits you can drop that in if you're here this morning and you haven't invited Jesus to come into your heart I want to say a simple prayer it's a prayer of salvation if you want to pray it then that means that God is drawing you to him and I just want to invite you to say these words with me just in your heart repeat after me say dear Jesus I'm a sinner I've missed the mark God I know that you live for me Lord, I know that you died for me. And I know that you rose again for me. And the best way that I know how, I want to ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. If you said that prayer, I want you to do something for me. If you're watching online, there's a little button there that you can press that says that. And if you're in True North or you're in Compass, I'd like for you to do something. I just want you to take this step. It's a bold step. It's not a hard one, but it's a big one. Raise your hand and raise it high and just leave it up. No one's looking around. It should be pretty easy. Raise your hand and raise it high and leave it up because we have some people walking through the room and they have a gift for you and they're going to pass you this gift. So if you're on the road with them, you might have to help them out. And in that gift, it's a nice one, there's a, there's a card in there. We gave you a gift, so I want you to help us out. Give us back a gift. Fill that card out and check that you prayed to receive Christ. And that lets us know so we can help you in this journey. Praise the Lord. Several people. Father, Lord, this morning, I ask that you take us further, you take us deeper than we've ever been. Because God, you are so good that you left the 91 to come after me. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.